Hey, Consume listeners, Jamie Lewis here. I've been wanting to try new formats for the podcast, and this sixth season, I changed things up a bit. Every guest this season is a person of color in the wine and food industry, and roughly half of the interviews are conducted by Justin Tribu, a young black winemaker with a talent for honesty and conversation. This is a temporary format. I'll be back to hosting all the episodes myself next season, but it feels like a really important change this time around. As much as I could, I wanted to facilitate real discussion, and Justin's input and guidance helped a lot with that. I would have had her do all 10 episodes, but she was in the throes of harvest. So for what she was able to contribute, I'm very grateful. You may want to hear my interview with Justin first and listen on from there. Oh, and yeah, we're on Zoom again for these episodes. In any case, thank you so much for listening and happy sixth season of Consumed. Consumed is sponsored by my friends at Slow Life Magazine, for whom I write the food column. For the 2020 October-November issue, I'm writing about ribs in Slow County, and I included the Rib Line in Grover Beach, G Brothers in San Luis Obispo, and Miss Odette's Creole Kitchen in Paso Robles. It's been a sticky week around here, let me tell you, but I'm putting the finishing touches on the article now. If you live in San Luis Obispo or Avila Beach, check your mailbox for Slow Life Magazine every other month. And if you don't already get it, subscribe at slowlifemagazine.com. Consumed is also supported by James Onaveros at Ranchos de Onaveros Wine in the Santa Maria Valley. If you haven't already listened to my episode with James in season one, I'll tell you, he's a ninth generation agriculturalist with roots that go back to when California was governed by Spain. His ancestors had this massive land grant and it was sold off in pieces until there was nothing left but he and his parents worked hard to buy back a parcel that overlooks the land that used to be their family's, and James planted his Pinot Noir vineyard there with his own two hands at the tender age of 23. I think one of the craziest things about James is that his last name, Onaveros, means the one true vine. The coolest part of his story, though, is that the wine is absolutely beautiful, with a very Burgundian style and influence. Taste that storyline for yourself by visiting the station in Los Alamos, where Ranchos de Onaveros wines are sold, along with elevated Santa Maria-style cuisine from Chef Conrad Gonzalez. For more information, visit ranchosdeonaveros.com or thestationlosalamos.com. Things get really honest with Odette Augustus in this interview with guest host Justin Trebu. Odette is the chef, caterer, and entrepreneur behind Miss Odette's Creole Kitchen, based out of Paso Robles. Odette was raised by her grandmother in Stockton, California, with family roots in Louisiana. As a little girl, she learned how to cook by watching her Creole grandma and later started making barbecue sauce in junior high. This sauce wound up being her ticket into a culinary life after she retired from law enforcement several years ago. Odette talks about her kidney transplant, sitting with her grandmother at the front of a city bus, cooking as an expression of love, the difference between pleasure heat and sport heat, and her journey a diligent joy, as she calls it. She also gets pretty raw about her struggles as a black woman in Paso Robles, and she talks about what true support really looks like. On that note, Odette and Justin talk about a current event here on the Central Coast involving Tiana Arada, a young Black activist and organizer. For more information on that story, check the show notes for this episode on letsgetconsumed.com. Okay, here's Justin Trebu's talk with Odette Augustus. 
Hello, Jet. Nice to have you here. So we're going to start right in with it. I'm going to give you my first question, and that is, where did you grow up? I grew up in Stockton, California. I was raised by my, my grandparents who moved to California in the 30s when my mom was a baby. They were from Lake Charles, Louisiana. Um, what are some of your fondest childhood memories that you've had, both here and in Louisiana? Oh, well, I didn't spend much childhood. I didn't go to Louisiana until uh, till the summer I turned 11. Okay. Because my grandparents left there because they didn't want to raise their children under the Jim Crow system. Of course. And they would not take me there as long as it was in effect. So I went the year after Jim Crow was uh, abolished. How was it going there right after the Jim Crow law was um, abolished? Oh, well, the, it, it, that was a, one, of, one of my memorable experiences because I went with my grandparents and we stayed with my grandmother's aunt that raised her. We, we stayed, we, were, we started at her house because we made the rounds. Because <laughs> they, they were, you know, we, we would stay with her family and then stay with his family. Right. But um, when um, I, w I had the privilege of right going downtown, riding the bus downtown with my grandmother. We got all dressed up in our Sunday best. Oh, it's beautiful. And we went and caught the bus so that she could ride in the front seat. Yes. Because she had never done that. So she was in her 60s at this time when that during that when that happened yeah. and um we we rode downtown and we got off in front of Woolworths okay I don't know if you remember Woolworths yes. but that's where a lot of the the demonstrations around the country took place in Woolworths at the lunch counters and um so we went there and we sat in a booth rather than at the counter because she said she wanted them to come and serve her. <laughs> yes. She said, make them come and serve No, they got to come and serve me. <laughs> so we had ice cream. We ate ice cream in Woolworths. And then we caught the bus back home to her aunt's house and rode in the front. Went back. But that was her first time. I love that. Riding in the, in the front of the bus, her first time going to Woolworths and being... And, and being served, not, you know, not being not having to take it with you or go through the back door or all that kind of stuff. She got to walk. We walked in the front door and sat down and got served. And that was, uh, so I was 11, uh, let's see, 28, 38, 48. So my grandmother was about 68 years old. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, no, she was not. 28, 38, 48. No, she was, she was, she was early 60, like maybe 60 years old. Okay. So yeah, she was younger than I am now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but my, but my, my, you know, I only, I have a brother, but because I lived with my grandparents, I had a big family. Exactly. And so I had cousins and and there was, I mean, there was always more than just me living there. Yes. There was always other people living there. I had a, uh, my, uh, my youngest uncle, me and him grew up like brother and sister. I love that. And then I had two 
my aunt had two daughters that my grandmother raised as well, and they were 10 and 12 years older than me, so they were like my big sisters. Awesome. And especially the one that was 10 years older, we were super close. And um, and she, my grandmother had five kids, and four of them lived in town, and they were all within walking distance of her. So there was cousins there every single oh, day. Talk about community. Yep every day and not and and i grew up in a in a in a community i had a village i really grew up with the village my mom and dad i was born in 53 and my mom and dad were not married so okay uh and my grandparents took responsibility for me and, uh, and i lived with them until i was 12. okay but um those those two older cousins ended up between them having seven kids and i watched them a lot hi auntie I was the official babysitter. <laughs> I love it. And um, that was, that was, then I had one younger brother that he fit right in the middle of all those kids. And, um, but I lived in the kitchen with my grandmother. My earliest memories are in the kitchen with her. Yes. I mean, I, I remember even, you know, playing outside in the mud and I'd be trying to do what she was doing. I'd take yes. her. I take her scraps out of the kitchen outside and pretend like I was doing what she was doing. <laughs> and um, and then when I was five, she she taught me how to make cinnamon toast. That was the first oh. thing she, I was able to make by myself. Yes. And I would stand on a on a fruit crate, you know, the wooden fruit fruit crate. Yes, I do. I would stand on one on there so I could you know be tall enough at the counter, and she would have me put the sugar and the cinnamon in soft butter yes. and then I could toast my bread in the toaster and then spread it on oh, and that would be my that was my after school snack when <laughs> I was in kindergarten I could make it myself can I go make some cinnamon toast <laughs> clean up your mess okay yes, I will. and so I would make cinnamon toast for me and all my little cousins you know, I was five. <laughs> <laughs> you were the you were the leader of the house. You're like, all right, this is what we're gonna do. Because I, I was their big cousin, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> um, and then um, when when I was twelve, my mom uh, bought a house, and I would go spend the weekends with her. And with your mom? With my mom, yeah. And because, you know, she was always going to school and always working and all, you know, she was yes, of course. always trying, trying to do what needed to be done to be, you know, but I would stay with my grandparents and I stayed with them, like I said, till I was 12, I was going to junior high school. And, um, and it was the consensus of my mom and my cousins that it was time for me to go live with her. Because <laughs> they said as, as close as me and my grandfather were, I would end up not liking him if I stayed much longer. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it broke his heart, but I went to go live with my mom. But in the meantime, um, I never really could. My grandfather didn't like to eat kids cooking. Okay. So I couldn't really cook at my grandmother's house. Okay. But was she but she just always told me that watching was the best way to learn. It is. And so she would have me watch and then she would quiz me. What yes. am I gonna you know, this is what I'm, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna make pork chops. What do I do? You know? And so I would talk her through what she was gonna do. And I I had it in my head by heart. I just yes. had never done it. 
<laughs> but then when my mom bought her house, I could she let me do whatever I wanted in her kitchen. Oh yeah. And so I would I would go in there and, and, and try to remember everything I learned at my grandmother's house and do it at my mom's. And um she bought that house when I was eight and that's when I start going and so I think I was ten when I fixed her some spaghetti one time. <laughs> Cause me and my brother were hungry and she was she was sewing and she kept not getting to the stopping place and we right. were hungry and so i said well, can i go fix something and she said yeah sure whatever right and so i made this simple spaghetti it was like i don't even know if we really had the spaghetti noodles i think it was was macaroni noodles <laughs> but i um I, I, she had bacon, so I, I cooked the bacon. I put some onions in there and a can of tomato sauce with some salt and pepper and yeah. boiled the, the noodles and then mixed it in. And we grew up, me and my brother grew up. Oh, yeah. I gave it to, I gave it to my mom and she kind of, she kind of looked at it like, what? You know, and so she, I said, taste it, mom. And she took a taste and she said, oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> And actually, I have forgot about that until I wrote my cookbook, and she wrote the foreword for my cookbook, uh -huh. and she she said that was a story that she told, and I was like, oh, I remember that. Yes, <laughs> I love that, that. And she told me she said that was the first thing you ever cooked for me, and I was like, Oh, <laughs> I remember? Uh -huh. How sweet is that? Yeah, yeah. so sweet. Yeah, so that. <laughs> I re that's what I remember just cooking and eating. My grandmother was such a good cook. Yes. You know, that dinner was, and, and then don't let it be a, an occasion or something, <laughs> you know, and she would get, uh, do extra special kind of oh, stuff. Yeah. What's the special occasion meal? Give me an example, please. Oh, so she, like in the summertime, she would make okra with, uh, with the onions, corn, and tomatoes, and then she put shrimp in it, and we eat it over rice. And, oh yeah! And she might still even fry chicken and have cornbread with it. And oh my God, it, we oh, we yeah. would you know. And then if if we were having a barbecue, you know, we'd have the ribs and the potato salad and the lemonade. Oh my God, oh, she made the best yes. lemonade ever. <laughs> and I do my best. <laughs> and we all we all have our memory of the. Um, of the lemonade and and I'll I'll make it and they say uh uh that's not what she put in the <laughs> I said I'm the one that lived there you don't know <laughs> yes because I mean like uh, there's a lot of us that are good cooks right that that we that embrace it because she cooks so good she just inspired even the boys I got a, a cousin that he's a retired colonel from the army. But that he's he gets creative and he he likes to experiment and he plays and that he that boy can cook okay yes <laughs> and so and so he's the one that we get into the argument about the um, the lemonade all the time uh uh she didn't no she used the Pepsi <laughs> I said no she didn't she used the Sprite or Seven Up whatever was the light the light soda not yes. the dark soda yeah. oh yes Seven <laughs> so, Up yes yes yes. Yeah, we, we, I mean, we get into, no, and then somebody, no, that's not what she used. This was, but, but the one thing that we all know for certain was that she put a little bit of vanilla extract in it. Ooh. 
That was that we all got everybody. Lemonade. Love. So long as you don't forget the lemon, the vanilla extract, then you okay. Oh, so, that sounds amazing. It oh, you got. I mean, just a drop. Okay. You know, like if you're making like uh, a quart size, maybe or half gallon size, maybe two or three drops. Okay. It just cut out. It's, man. I have a lemon tree out front of my house. I know what I'm gonna be doing. It's wonderful. <laughs> so that's what that that's so we you know we just this a lot and then you know she's the one my barbecue sauce is okay. hers. Okay. So I started making that when I was in junior high. That was our our yearly project that we would do, usually in March. Okay. The month birthday. of March, we I would we would but we she'd save up jars and get collect the jars from everybody else from that from the year before and everything. <laughs> and then we would make make a big batch of the barbecue sauce, fill up all the jars, and then put it in her. My uncles had made her a pantry in her garage where she could keep all of her canned goods. Yeah. That's all of the things that she canned. And we would go, and so she would take out whatever she had left from the year before and put it way back in the back. Okay. We're, only you know nobody else was gonna go look in there because whatever we we wouldn't start barbecuing until Memorial Day mm -hmm. and um you know people that had a house would come and get their sauce nobody okay. bought sauce and I was in college before I really realized people bought barbecue sauce right anyway so they would come and get theirs and then if we were barbecuing at her house then she would bring that age stuff out yeah nobody could figure out how come hers tastes better oh uh, the good stuff <laughs> i love it yes. yeah why yours tastes better mine don't taste like this <laughs> age baby. hold on to it and who's gonna hold on to it it's summertime we're gonna eat it up <laughs> yeah <laughs> so but um and the the neighborhood was uh you know i i grew up in stockton which was a, a, a the neighborhood we lived in was was really mixed up it was you know, black people from different states, mm -hmm. you know, because the great migration, yes. you know. And so uh, within our two blocks, maybe there was, we were from Louisiana, the lady next door was from Texas. There was another family down the street from Alabama. And then there was another family from Mississippi. Everybody had their own barbecue sauce. Yes, everybody. everybody. Wasn't nobody buying barbecue sauce. And I was in college. I was I was at Sac State, and we were having. A, I was in the Pan African Student Union, Love and it. we were having a um, a potluck one day. And we were at this one girl's house, and she asked me if I had a car. And I said, "Yeah, what do you need?" She said, "Would you go to the store and get some barbecue sauce?" And I said, "You buy it?" <laughs> <laughs> and she said, "Don't you?" And I said, well, I, I never have. <laughs> she said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, we make it. And there was this guy was listening. He said, what do you need? <laughs> yes. He said, what do you need? And so I named out some ingredients. And she said, I got that. I got that. Yeah, and I got that too. And the only thing she didn't have was some liquid smoke. Yes. He said, I got you covered. He said, you go ahead on. So he... um went to the store and when he got back, it was just enough time for me to put 
girl, they ate up that barbecue oh sauce. Yes. I was, and I was, I was shocked that you know these were black folks and they didn't even make their <laughs> own barbecue sauce. Yeah, <laughs> I was, you know, I was like, okay, where are you guys from? Y'all are gonna Illinois learn today. or something, huh? Y'all are gonna learn today. <laughs> okay, and so, um, so, but I still, I never bought it. I never yeah. bought, never bought barbecue sauce. And when I when I made it here, you know, when I went into business here, that was not my intention. Okay. The barbecue sauce was not my intention. I wanted. I had moved here, and I ex was experiencing Santa Maria style, what they call barbecue. And I was right. like, "That is not barbecue. It's not. <laughs> That's not barbecue. You guys are burning <laughs> it up, you know." And cause, so we barbecued, but mostly we smoked because you right. know Southern is is slow cooking. Yes. It's not fast. Fast. Hurry up. Right. You know the. You take your time. They call, you they call slow, slow, but it ain't slow. Mm -hmm. You got to go to the South to understand what slow really is. Slow cooking. Oh, uh, yeah. Slow is like somebody has stopped at the stop sign too long and you do not blow your horn because <laughs> who's in a rush? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the slow life, okay, Happy. for real. You know, ain't nobody blowing their horn because you're going too slow or you're taking too long. You know, what's the rush? Right. So, um. Cooking is definitely not a thing that you rush. It's not. You know, the whole thing about perfection takes time. Yes. It definitely applies when it comes to your food. Yes, it does. It applies big time. So what I learned uh, with my grandmother in cooking is that she was not a touchy-feely, emotional kind of person. Okay. But she put her heart and soul in that food. You could taste it. Yes. So, and I tell people, you know, that cooking is an act of love, is a is an expression of love and an act of service. Yes. And love has a flavor, straight yes. up. It does. So, you know, people can taste love, you know? Yes. And love don't hurry. It doesn't. It doesn't. You can't, love don't throw nothing together. I, you know, love prepares. Yes. Love prepares. <laughs> it prepares. It does not throw it to God. Just go, you just throw something together. What is that? No. You want to eat it? <laughs> you talking about something I'm going to put in my body? <laughs> 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 when did so, you start writing down your grandmother's recipes? I know you said you always knew them in your head, but when did you know these are things that I need to write down so that I can pass them on if I want to? Um, when I wrote the cookbook. Okay. So and for those was, who don't know about the cookbook, when I, when did you write it and how can they find it? I, they, well, I need to do another printing. Okay. <laughs> it's sold out. Yeah. I, I, I had a kidney transplant 10 years ago. Okay. And it seems to be a thing with people that have, that of with recipient, recipients that when you, when you're in your recovery mode, you get this urge to go. Yes. And you just can we go somewhere? Just go, go. So I, I got I had to go and I, I went to Louisiana. I took a drive. I got in my car and I just drove. Yes. I, so I was gone for, for the doctors cleared me to be gone for four months. I was trying to be gone for a year, but he said <laughs> not gonna happen. But <laughs> so I drove. I I we got to Louisiana in time to have Mardi Gras with my family. Oh yes, party one. 
And and I still had an elder at that time that was like 90 something that and she was one of the best cooks ever. I love that. And so I went and I spent two weeks with her and and we did some cooking and I took notes, but nobody measures. So nope. you know, I never thought I would be able to do a cookbook because there's no measurements. So I was in recovery mode and when I got back, I was staying with my mom during my recovery. And I said, Mom, how am I gonna cause she knew how she knew everything I was trying to fix and write down. And so between me and her, we made up some measurements. <laughs> yes. But I had a big disclaimer in the beginning. I said, look, this is my best attempt at a recipe for you. And I said, so, you know, don't take anything as in stone or law. Ain't none of that going on here. It's all about um, and this, like I said, this is my best attempt. But once you make it, it's yours. It's not mine no more. <laughs> so, you know. And and you'll probably never do the same thing twice because I am the master of once in a lifetime meals. Yes. You know, you have it today don't mean you're ever going to get it again, at least not the same way. Not exactly. exactly. And that's the best thing about it. Every time it's going to be different. Every time you have new memories and right. new, new emotions. And one of, one of my people that works with me, um, because, you know, I wasn't able to keep having the, the sauce made, the co-packer. Right. And I started having to do it myself. I'm getting ready to get that co-packer back, though. Okay. I can't keep up. Right, totally. And um, But she said she loves the fact that I make it. She said, you know, other people that don't eat it very often may not be able to tell that little bit of difference from the last time. Yeah. She said, but I look forward to that little bit of difference from the last time. And I'm like, you do? <laughs> so... So, yeah, so it, you know, because I don't, I don't, I know what, how I want it to look. Yes. I know how I want it to smell. I know what it should feel like. Yes. But measure? Mm. Mm -mm. Who needs a measurement? I, I feel that. I can't. It's My grandmother no, is the reason that I cook, and she never really believed in measurements either. Mm -mm. That's why watching was so important. Yes. I'll tell you one more story about the watching. Yes, please give me all of them. I was about eight, maybe nine. My mother would go to San Francisco every year, every summer for summer school. And my grandmother had a friend that she had gone to elementary school with in Lake Charles that lived in San Francisco. So my mom would stay with her. She was a cook. Okay. And she cooked in the, for this Italian family. So she fancied herself an excellent cook. Yes. She didn't cook like my grandmother. Though. mm, -mm. <laughs> and I did like I, I I don't care whose house I went to if there was somebody in the kitchen cooking I'd get a chair and go sit down and I'd watch she'd come home and she'd go in the kitchen to cook dinner for, for us and I'd get the, the chair and one day she was making steak with rice and gravy and cabbage mm. all things I like yes but not her <laughs> Uh oh, uh oh. So she put the rice, put the water on the boil, and she put the salt in the water and everything. And I'm like, because mm, I'm I'm checking off the list, right? right. That I, that's, that's engraved in my head. <laughs> and then she put poured the rice in, and she stirred it up. She put the top on, and I'm like, okay, this is good. And she cut up her cabbage. She got the water boiling, and she put it in, put the top on, 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And she goes back and she stirs that rice again. All right. Uh oh. She stirred it up. Let's put the it. top back on. And then she went, she stirred up the cabbage, put the top back on, and then she's working with her steak. And then she stirred the rice again. Again? This was three times now. Leave that rice alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now I'm eight. I said, why are you stirring that rice so much? <laughs> and she said, I know what I'm doing. I said, yo, that rice going to be so stuck together and mushy and everything. You, it, mm, that's, <laughs> you know, and she said, I know what I'm doing. Okay. 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 So then she, <clears throat> she's stirring this cabbage and, you know, she's got a fork and she picks it up to see if it's done. And it's getting limper and limper and oh, limper, right? It's like crunch. So then I'm like, she kept boiling that cabbage. And I'm like, oh, God, who's going to eat that? Not me. So I said, that cabbage is going to be so soft, you won't even need to chew it. It's going to just slide down your throat. <laughs> and she told me, get out of my kitchen. Get out of my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> she wrote my grandmother a letter because that was back in the day. You didn't make no long distance calls. No. Right? She wrote my grandmother told her to keep her grandma, her granddaughter at her house trying to <laughs> tell her how to cook. <laughs> <laughs> and so that. It was a while. Be I think my, it was maybe two years before my mom would take me back to that lady's house. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. I love it. Oh my goodness! I was like, I got my sister, but she wasn't doing it the way you did it. She said, "Everybody don't cook like me." Yeah. And I said, "Well, it was terrible." Yes. The only thing that was halfway decent was her steak. And even that wasn't right because she caked the flour on it instead of oh, just dusting it. A little light. You know how it gets all yeah, that was Bumpy. Yeah. I was hungry. I was hungry that night because I didn't want nothing. <laughs> I didn't want that rice. I didn't want the cabbage and the and the meathead. I'm scraping the flour. <laughs> you know, mm -mm. it was okay that I didn't get to go back. Yes, you have to learn learn from more from your grandmother. Yeah, because that lady couldn't cook, and I'm like, somebody pays you to do this. Yes, <laughs> and I mean, like, I was I I, I was terrible at eight. <laughs> oh gosh, the sass that I had when I was a, when I was a younger child, I can't even. Mm -hmm. I don't know how my family dealt with me. <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't bad. I no, you were saying and, all the right things. You were trying right. to give her some it advice. Just, it, it wasn't right coming out of an eight-year-old body. Mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> so what uh, does Creole cooking and Creole food mean to you? And well, my grandmother was Creole. Yes. She was Creole. So that yeah. was that was that was that was food. That was good yes. food. Yeah. You know, when I when I would go to Louisiana, um, uh, and then because uh, the aunt that raised her is the person that taught her how to cook. Right. And, uh, and, and she was Creole as well. Okay. So my grandfather's people were not Creole at okay. all. Absolutely the opposite. And um, 
But he had a sister. Oh my God! Now that lady could cook too. Yes. And she was younger than than my um, than my aunt that we stayed with. She was much younger. She was older than my grandfather, but she was younger still, and she was fun. Oh my yeah. God! She was she was loud and boisterous and talk <laughs> buku shit. Oh yes, my God. buku buku. But she could get in that kitchen and throw down. And my favorite food was shrimp. Still is. Yes. Never met a shrimp I didn't like. Mm -hmm. And when and and as a kid, that was like an expensive thing. Yes. So I didn't I didn't get to eat it that often. So I was always so what he did that time was he went and bought like a big box of shrimp, like ten pounds or something, maybe. Yes. And took it to his sister and he said, you know, you could fix this fix this some kind of way every day. This girl right here, she just loves shrimp, right? Right. And she did. Every day she fixed something different with shrimp in it. Oh. When I got home after I was there, I was only there for two weeks, my mother pinched my chick. She said, somebody fattened up my baby. Yes, I yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I tried to eat and I Everything. would like something. I'd go in there and I said, could I look? Can I see? You Can know, I was 10. I was I was almost 11. And I said, tell her, I, I'd ask, ask my aunt, I said, can I look? And she said, sure, look. And I said, oh my God, it just smells so good. It smells so good. <laughs> and she said, she said, I know you're looking at them shrimp. And yes. I said, I am. And she said, I bet you want one, huh? And I said, I do. <laughs> and she'd give me a fork and I'd get one. And she said, oh, don't pick them all out now. And I said, I just want <laughs> one. And she said, you can have two. <laughs> oh my god i was like in heaven i would, I would go take those two shrimp and sit on the back porch and just enjoy because that that would be what hold me over till dinner yes. you know <laughs> so yeah she was oh she my my he he knew me <laughs> yes he knew me he knew me good so that's that you know and creoles southern and creole food is just where do you find more flavor in in you know in the United States? I mean, you you gotta go to no Italy way. or or France yeah. or you know to get the, those kind of flavors. Yes, the layers. You know? Yeah, layers. Oh my layers. God, layers. Yep, yep, totally. And that's what you learn. And for like the thing about my barbecue sauce, when I went to the manufacturer for them to make it for me. And I gave them what I made, and the, the chemist kept trying to make it exact, make it look like mine. And he send me a sample that wouldn't be it. Send me a sample that wouldn't be it. And he called and he, I told him, I said, I, you know, it's too bad we can't just play in in your kitchen. And he said, we can. Will you come? And yeah. I said, sure. <laughs> you know. So I went and I showed him how I did. And he said, oh, my God. Yes. Okay. I got it. He said, nobody else makes barbecue sauce like that. No. So it was my, you know, it wasn't that I had different odd ingredients. The process was different. Yes. And it definitely affected the outcome of the product. Yes. So it's smooth. And, you know, I, and it's because it's of the process. Now. I can tell you everything I put in it, but I ain't gonna tell you my process. Okay. Okay. 
And then for those that don't know about your bar- your barbecue sauce, so I know oh. there's special report, there's special no report, joke, and then there's my right. So my no joke is what I grew up. On. That's okay. the one that has the heat. Okay. And because we're Creole, we need some excitement. Yes. Right. So I married this guy whose family's from Tennessee. They don't want all that excitement. <laughs> so he says to me, that'll be some really good barbecue sauce, but can you calm it down? I said, from what? Yes. <laughs> you know, it bites back. I said, it does. He said, yeah. So I calmed it down. And then when I, you know, when I, I was making it for the business, um, it more people like that. Yes. It, was, it had mass appeal. And I was like, right. wimps. <laughs> right, wimps. <laughs> I like the heat. I love, I love the heat, and I, I, and, and it's the pleasure heat, not the the yes. sport heat. Oh yeah, I'm not into the sport heat. Food is pleasure. It's not pain. No, yes. <laughs> you know the the pain has no place in food. Right. So, uh, yes. So I, I calmed it down for them. So it starts out <laughs> sweet and flavorful. It goes to the little twang, you know, the citrus that's in there has a little twang. And then then the heat comes in at the end. And and that, that's special report. Okay. Now, no joke, when the heat comes in, it does this little like blossom in your mouth. It just spreads out all over your mouth. So it's not just like hitting in the back. It it hits in the back, but it comes forward, and and you're gonna you're gonna get a little sweat on your forehead, you oh, know, yeah. or your nose, or something's gonna get some something's some, gonna tingle sweat, yeah. But that's that's <laughs> about it. The longer you eat it, maybe the harder it get, but it ain't gonna never make your ears hurt. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but that's the one I love. So when I was making that, taking that, doing that little trip that I took after the transplant. I think I might have been in Louisiana. I'm not sure where I was. Might have been in Texas. I'm not sure where I was. But anyway, somebody had the barbecue sauce and we were getting high. Mm-hmm. So I said, too bad you can't put no weed in that shit. <laughs> That's right. I went, hmm. I, I do like, hmm. That just sounded like such a good idea to me. And so... <laughs> So when I came back to California, I started figuring out how do you put some weed in here? That's you know that's a that's could be something, you know, because there was I knew about edibles, you know, but I had never uh, never thought about barbecue sauce being an edible, right? And uh, and I figured it out. I love so it. So now, so now you can have my barbecue sauce and make everything taste really good and have an added benefit on top oh, of it. Oh yes. Hey there, a quick interlude to talk about another one of my supporters. Slow Food Co-op's mission is to empower health and well-being in the community by providing quality products and exceptional customer service. Community-owned Slow Food Co-op buys from local producers, ensuring that they offer their customers real and sustainable food. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining non-GMO standards and environmentally sustainable packaging. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop. 
and visit the Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. So after you were in Louisiana, when did you make your way out here to the Paso Robles, San Luis Obispo area? Oh, well, I'm okay. So I moved here in 99. In 99. So you've been here for a while. Yeah, I've been here 21 years. So I um, I married a guy that I had gone to high school with that lived here. Okay. And he worked at Cal Poly. Okay. And we said whoever could get a transfer first, that's where we would live. And I was right. in Stockton. And uh, so I got the transfer and I came here. I love it. And I, was, I was working at the boys' school and that's where I retired from. Okay. And then I started my business after that. So what sparked your decision to create your business? Oh, I was I, I was retiring at age 50 and I wasn't done yet. That's right. I love that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So it was um, doing, you know, I guess for five years before I retired, I was trying to decide what I wanted to do. Okay. And, and one of my cousins that we're two months apart and we're like this, you know. And we we would talk about what I was going to do. And I told her, I said, it's time for my creative side, you know. Yes. And I said, so so it has to be fun and creative and and involve people. And I said, yes. and, and, and food is even better. And she said, yeah, so what you going to cook? <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I said, I don't know. And so she had this, she had Afrocentric clothing that she would do these festivals. And when she'd go to these festivals, people were doing these tri-tip sandwiches. And she's, I, would, I wasn't a big tri-tip person, but a lot of people were. And so I used to take a tri-tip and soak it in wine for two or three days mm-hmm. and then put it on my smoker. Like I'd, I'd make a fire before we go to church. Yes. I'd put the tri-tip on there, go to church, come back, and it's ready. Yes. And it would not be... You know, I'd slice it thin. It wouldn't be dry. And it wouldn't be dry. It would be so moist. And so she said, oh, Dad, you need to do tri-tip sandwiches because don't show up. She said, because you cut it thin, you can bite it without the whole thing coming out. That's the worst part. Yeah. (laughs) So I had my my marching. I said, wow. And she said, she said, and you go to those festivals, all the festivals, you know how we have fun at the festivals? I was like, yeah. She said, then go to the festivals and sell your tri-tip sandwiches. So that's what I started out. I, I did two festivals with just tri-tip sandwiches. I made the sauce to put on the sandwich. Yes. And just to see if how I would like that. That's what I really wanted to do. I did one down in Long Beach and another one in Stockton. By the time I did those two festivals, I probably had a box full of cards for people wanting barbecue sauce. Yes. I'm trying to still use some tri-tip. You want to buy barbecue sauce, really? (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, and I did both of those right. I I retired in August of 2003, Mm -hmm. and I did those two events. One was in July, the other one was in August. Okay. And, And then I, so then I knew, okay, I do want to do this. And I ordered a catering truck and then I did yes. it thinking that, that that's what I was going to do. And then I had all these people wanting barbecue stuff. <laughs> that wasn't the plan. Right. So uh, he, my, my ex says, well, 
why don't you see, can you sell the barbecue sauce at the, at the farmer's market while we're waiting on the, um, the truck, the catering what? truck, you know? And I said, cause I want to go be grandmother. Yes. I don't want to, I don't, why, why? Right. <laughs> yes. I just retired. Can I get a break? Exactly. And he said, just stop, stop and think people will know all about you by the time we get the truck and it'll be springtime and not about, you know, then uh, that was too loud. Right? So yeah. I said, okay. So I worked my way backward. I went to the farmer's market. I said, I make this barbecue sauce. Is it possible I could sell it? Sure. Here, fill this up. So I get the look at it and you got to get something from the health department. So I go to the health department and I said, I want to sell my barbecue sauce at the farmer's market. And he said, gave me this application. And they said, I got to come get something from you. Oh, yeah. Here, fill this out. So I read it. And I got to get something from the state health department. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I go and, and I talk to that guy. And he tells me what I have to do. He sent me all this stuff I needed. So then I filled out all of that paperwork. And it went to this lab because they... You know, I had to learn how to do a formulation. Yes. I, they didn't want a recipe. So the uh, at the Culinary Arts Academy here, the, the, the guy that was the supervising instructor, he oh. he helped me. He showed me how to do the, uh, or no, he did, but converted my recipe into a, a formulation. That's awesome. And then I, I sent it in because what was happening was I was becoming a certified canner. Yes. They wanted to know that I knew how to can. Yes. Okay. So I needed a commercial kitchen and I had to, that they wanted to know I knew how to go through all of the paces. Right. And so, which is what that teacher helped me. He said, he, he asked me what I did and I told him, he said, well, you got it down. You know what to do. And he said, so write that down. And, you know, he tweaked it a little bit for me. And I sent it in and I got approved right away. The I guy did that. And then, uh, so I got approved from over here and the guy over there from the state sent me my letter and then <laughs> I went back to the county and they gave me what I needed. And then I went back to the farmer's market and I started that process like in October, 2003 and February, 2004 was oh, wow. at the farmer's market. Okay. Talk about a process. It was the third weekend of the month and the rainiest day of the year. Oh, so we we had made, I think we took 10 cases of barbecue sauce out there and um, and, and 12 people bought a jar. Okay. We were the high sellers that yes. day because it was raining. And he said, only 12 people showed up, but they all bought a jar of barbecue sauce. He said, so you don't even have to pay a booth fee. And I was like, oh, cool. That's a nice way to start. I love it. Because I had no expectation because... I'm still not understanding why people are buying barbecue sauce. Right. <laughs> okay. Because I still have not bought barbecue sauce. Now, I'm 50 years old at this point. You know, I'm not like 19 in college, never bought barbecue sauce. Now I'm 50. But I've been making it for how long? So I never bought it. I, and when my grandmother uh, made her transition, I made it for the family like she did. Mm -hmm. You know, I they went, when 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 you gonna make the barbecue? So don't forget my jar, you know. So I would make it. For, I made it for the family, and um, and I and I got this box of cards of people that want to buy 
<laughs> I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. But I'll take that money, yes. Well, well, so so 12 jars that I'm okay. going to sell it. At that time, it was five, in 2004, it was $5 a jar. So okay. I'm like, okay, that's one case. That's $72. That's not bad. Well, I had to be out of town the next Saturday, so my ex went out there. And he gave me a call after he was done. And he said, are you sitting down? I said, oh, you didn't sell nothing. <laughs> and he said, well, he said, it's a chamber of commerce day here in Paso Robles and everybody's barbecuing. And I said, oh, you sold a few jars. He said, how about 30? That's right. I said, what? I said, it's February. <laughs> <laughs> he said, but I'm telling you, the sun is shining, you know. It had a rain last weekend. Everybody's all happy to be outside. I was like, 30 jars? I said, we got to make more sauce. He said, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. So I come back. We make more sauce. It went up every single weekend. By May, we were selling like six cases in three hours. Oh, my gosh. Yes. People started buying it by the case. Yes. And then the then shops and stuff would come, and I want that in my shop. I don't know. I mean, like, it just, I don't even have my, my I, I, I haven't even picked up my truck yet. And this yes. is what's happening with the sauce. I'm trying to pay for my truck, and the, the sauce is taking up all of the attention and yeah. everything. So I was like, wow, okay, okay. Wow, people like barbecue sauce. People really like barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce. I, I learned. I started learning about barbecue sauce big time. So, it was a thing. I love it. It was a thing. So, um, what made me? And so basically, everything I did was smoking the meats, and then I had the sides, and I started offering, you know, potato salad, coleslaw, beans, and bread and stuff. I was sticking to that. And then people wanted to, well, don't you do something else? You're Southern. People okay. always want more. Yeah. So I started introducing a little bit more here and a little bit more there. And then when I got sick and um, my whole life just, you know, I had to start Thank from you. scratch again. Yes. So because I, uh, I, I lost shelf space at the stores and stuff because I couldn't service accounts. Right. Um, me and my husband broke up. He didn't yeah. know what to do with a sick wife. Mm. And uh, so when I when I start when I was recovering, I was like, okay, so now what you gonna do? <laughs> you know. Right. And um, so I'm 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 laying there thinking, well, let's see. Hmm. I still got a business. Do I want to still do that? You know, uh, you retired, so you got a check coming in. You don't have no, your kids are all grown. You don't have no pets. You don't own the house. And now you don't even have a spouse. And I was like, damn, that's freedom. <laughs> that's freedom, yes. To do whatever you want and make all the time. Oh, my, you oh want. my God. I've never had that. I could do it in real womb. Yeah. Kids, let me figure this out. So <laughs> I took a trip. I just got in the car and I, you know, when I was able to go somewhere and I, I did that and, and I, I kind of, you know, cleared, cleared my, somebody said, called my trip, my vision quest. Right. Like a soul and, search. Um, yes. Right. Right. I love that. And so I ended up calling it my, my journey of diligent joy. 
because I was determined to just be, to live in joy yes. after, after all of that. Cause it was, that was, it was a rough three years that I had had and I just was not going to be down. I, I refused to be down even though I'm starting from scratch, but I'm starting from scratch, basically unencumbered, you yes. know, I mean, I have business debt, but I don't have a lot of personal debt. Yes. And, um, and I could, so I, I just reeled everything, sold the truck, reeled everything in to where I could handle it. Right. So I would started making the sauce and, and I, I kind of expanded the menu to Southern style cooking and Creole and Southern style cooking and, and, and not doing the big things. Cause I was doing the West coast custom car show and all the big festivals. Get and stuff. Overwhelming. Yeah. The Harbor Fest and all that kind of stuff. So I, I just said no more festivals, Okay. just small winery stuff. So yes. I just really zeroed in on the wineries and, and then now with that, that worked out for me. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and not that, I mean, like, People, the sauce was still popular because it it had it has its own following, but I wasn't able to make it grow. Okay, I just I sustained my business. My business was sustaining. I had retirement, so I could live. That's you know? all you need sometimes. Sustaining, so, yes, sustainability yeah. is so important. Right, and I mean, and I'm and I I don't mean sustain, sustain. I mean sustain to keep me not be homeless. Okay. Okay. That kind yeah, of that percentage. is, yeah. Thank you. Like I wasn't, I, I, but it's always like, a, cause I was on the friendship train for like three years. Yeah. Living with people. Yes. But so now I'm where I can be on my own, buy my, you know, have my own place and everything. But like, don't sneeze. Congratulations. <laughs> don't <Yes>. sneeze. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but I was just happy to be it. Like I said, I was not going to be down no matter what. Right. So, uh, and I was just grateful every time, you know, I'd make any kind of stride, I'd be grateful. So, uh, when the COVID hit and everything got shut down, yes, I was preparing for Zen Fest weekend, which is my biggest weekend Big of the year. For all yeah. those listening, um, Zen Festival happens every year in Paso Robles. It's wineries all over the county come together and sell their Zen with amazing specials. And we and have I, thousands of people come. Yes. And I had been at Tobin James for 13 years. Oh, yeah. And they have that. And so you know, and that's, the, that's over 2,000 people that I do oh, yeah. tonight. Right? Oh, yeah. So that's a, that's a big payday for me. And I had bought everything, bought the meat. And I was no, like, yes. oh, 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 no, no, no. So I came yes. close to panic. I, 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 I think I panicked for about 10 I seconds. I would have panicked. I understand. For about, I, about 10 seconds. And then I said, no, 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 no. That's not, that, that don't feel good. So don't, you can't go there. Don't go there. That don't feel <laughs> good at all. So I, cause I had like $6,000 in, in invoices down. And they and then they closed it down, and I'm like, oh my god! So I'm, I'm t I got a little crew, and I'm like, what are we gonna do? Because everybody's looking forward to that weekend, yeah, right. So um, I'm very spiritual, and I tell people, me, myself, and I, we have conversations with ourselves, you know. Yes. So we went into serious consultation, <laughs> and I said, okay, 
if you don't know nothing, one thing you can be certain of is things always work out. Yes, they do. Every time. You can't you can't point to not one time that has not. And I was like, yeah, that's true. Huh? Hmm. Okay. So you know that faith lane you be talking about all the time? Go sit your ass down over there <laughs> and let the traffic hit you and see what happens. And that was about the most comforting thought I could have had. So I did. And that weekend came and it was like, I didn't have nothing to do. And how often does that happen, right? And then the next week, I think uh, the person that does my hair and nails, I've been knowing ever since I moved here. So she's like, family. Oh, I love so she was doing, she came to do my hair and nails. And she says, you know, we can apply for unemployment on Tuesday. And this was like the end of March. Right. And, and on Tuesday it was going to be the beginning of April. Yes. And I was like, she said, we, and I said, we who? <laughs> she said, me and you. And I said, small business? She said, yeah. I said, sole proprietor? She said, yeah. I said, without employees? She said, yep. Yes. And I said, oh, okay, edd.ca.gov? And she said, yep. And I said, let me go check that out. I went and I checked it out, and it was true. Yes. Girl, I applied. And it was going to be retroactive to, to the beginning of March. And I'm like, oh, my God. All of my losses were covered. Oh, thank God. Yes. Because I, I didn't stress. Yeah. I didn't worry. I, I held on to everything's going to work out, right? Yes. So uh, I had planned a Mother's Day special because that's I talked with my social media guy. Right. And he says, you know, we all just playing it by ear, trying to figure out, you know, all of the, the little small businesses that he was working with. He said, you know, we all we just all going to make it well, some kind of way. We just have to work together. Right. So he said, don't worry. <laughs> you know, well, then people started ordering sauce big time. Mm -hmm. So now I'm making sauce like two twice a week, whereas normally I only did it either once a week or every other week. Right. And I mean, like, people are ordering by the case. So now that's helping a lot. Yes. But then he says, okay, you need to do something. You got to you have to offer people something to go. And I said, well, I'm going to do the Mother's Day thing. He said, no, no, no. That's You got to do something now. <laughs> and I was like, so this is still April. Right. And I'm 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 looking at May and he said, uh uh, no, now. And so I said, Okay. Uh he said, Well can you do this week? I said, Well if you want me to do something this week, it's gotta be mac and cheese. Yes. He said, Okay, that'll work. I'm putting it up. So that was like on Tuesday. And I think I don't know if it was Tuesday or Wednesday when Race Matters put out the the black business, support black business. Yeah list so they put that list out and i get a call from haven properties in slow mm -hmm. we went we picked you and i was like what pick me for what yeah they said you know for the the support black business and i was like oh he I, you okay oh, yeah. what does that mean what does that mean and so he says well 
you, you uh, we see you that you're doing mac and cheese. You need, we'll take we'll take orders for you. And I said, oh, okay. Can you come to slow and pass them out? Yeah, where? Yeah, I'll, I'll be there, right? So I was gonna my my folks. You know, I had it for that. That was gonna be Friday. People were gonna pick it up mm-hmm. here in Paso. Okay, they were gonna come go pick up in, in Paso on on that Friday. And he said, well, how about you come here on Saturday? So I said, okay. Friday, they call me. with or, And I had 50 orders for Paso Robles. Mm-hmm. I'm happy. Okay. Happy as I can be. They call me on Friday with 90 orders. Oh, gosh. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. I mean, like, what? <laughs> right? Yes. So, you know, and I, I was making it. I had started making it not knowing how much right. I was going to need. So then I had to really just kind of get in high level yeah. to be ready for that next day. And uh, I just made it. And when I got there with my 90 orders, she says, well, it was it was really 150. Oh, <laughs> my like, goodness. Oh, oh are you serious? Right. Yes. And she says, but... but do you mind if we tell them that it'll be here tomorrow? Oh. And I said, oh, okay. I said, so I can go home and make some more? She said, if you don't mind. And I was like, of course I don't. Yes. Girl, I don't I, I don't even, I still, I'm still yes. trying to wrap my head around $2,500 worth of mac and Mark cheese. and cheese. Who does that? I know. <laughs> in, yes. in three days. Yes. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I was like, wow, this is what support is? This is what support is. Oh, my God. So they wanted to know what the next thing was planned. And I hadn't planned anything until Father's Day. And that was and, the pulled it, pork sandwiches, right? Mm-hmm, oh, the pulled okay. pork and coleslaw, yeah. And so he, he says, well, we're going to be, uh, we're going to push that for you. We'll take orders for that, too. So he calls and he says, what do you want the cutoff to be? 500? I said, 500 what? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) You coming in and helping me cook? And I say, okay, yo, yo, okay. Okay. And I I mean, and I'm doing the numbers because it's a $30 package. You want to do five? Is that, are you asking me, do I want to make $15,000 in one day? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. (laughs) and, I, and so I told somebody, he's a real estate person. So that ain't no, that's like, that's that's nothing to him. Yeah. You know, do closing a deal, he makes way more than that. So, you know, this is not anything to him, but it was like a fortune to me. <laughs> you yes, know? that is a so lot he, of money. Yes. He didn't get to 500. They got to 300. Okay. But that was still phenomenal yes. in my mind. Right. Okay. So... It's just like wow. So that EDD, I canceled. Okay. <laughs> yes. I said no. Nah, I'll let that go to somebody I else. I, I ain't paying nothing back. No. So, <laughs> I don't need it anymore. Good. And it, and it's been going pretty good. I've had a little bit of a setback with um with the with them arresting Tiana. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. yes, because I donated money and and I post on them 
and I had trolls. Yes. I had one person tell me that uh, one person made it through because um, my, my social media people keep good, stay on top of yes. what, what people put on my business page. But they don't have control over my personal page. And one person did get through on there and basically to make a, her long story short oh. is that, you know, there's no racism in this county um, and that that for a county that only has 2% black, my business uh, took off like wildfire and I should be grateful no, for the support I get here and I should be ashamed of myself for some, basically for for supporting Tiana. So I knew I knew better than to respond. Yes. <laughs> so I didn't I, I didn't need to respond. I got friends. Of course. And they handled it quite it's nicely. It's a shame because like you've been working since two thousand three and I, yeah, I, and I'm trying to figure out what how what a seventeen year wildfire looks like. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Oh, and it right. happens time and time again. Black people have been working and doing all the work, and people they finally notice after all these years. Yeah, and like a rising yeah. star, and, and I and I should be, star. and I'm supposed to be grateful, right? No. So yeah. I'm like, okay, so so I I had the good sense not to not to respond. Yes, and but like I said, my friends did, and she she had quite a few going back and forth with some of the other people, and then she realized that I hadn't said anything. Mm -hmm. So she stood up there. I see that you have not responded to any of anything that I've said. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, yes, you damn straight. A nerd. So, um, she said, maybe, she said, I see, but I do see that you put your typewriter warriors on, on me. It might have, maybe we could have gotten somewhere had I PM'd you instead. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, maybe I need to say something now. So I, I said, you know, I'm not responsible for the responses your post elicit on my page. Yes. These are my friends that actually know me and my struggles on the Central Coast. Yes. Perhaps PM might have been better. Now, I don't know where we were supposed to be getting because she wasn't asking me no questions. She was just telling me I should be shamed exactly. and grateful. Yeah. So I don't know where we were going with that. But had she PM me, she wouldn't have got nothing. Exactly. Because I just would not have given her acknowledged time. it at all. Yeah, I would have deleted it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, because you know those kind of folks like to do the screenshot and then yes. use your words against you. Yeah. So I was so glad I learned how to not just fly off the seat of my pants and say exactly what I think. Yeah. So <laughs> yes, yes. Because that that would not have been good that time. <laughs> If I would have told, because she was like, oh, you, she said to somebody, oh, you want to know what I think? And nobody, I don't remember anybody saying, no. yeah, but she said it anyway. Yep. And she, it was long too. And I was like, okay, don't say nothing. <laughs> don't say nothing. So. I'm happy that you have friends that back you up. Oh, they, oh, they did. And, and oh, and then she deleted all of her Yep. Stuff. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. So I didn't even have to delete it. She did it. She knew. Mm-hmm. She was in she your knew. space and starting stuff. No. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, as a black woman, what have been some of the biggest challenges you've personally faced living here in the San Luis Obispo area, and how have you made your community? Well, 
Oh, the first part of that question was it moving here was hell. It was hell. Yes. Yeah. Cause, because I worked in law enforcement. Yes. And, in an institution. Yeah. That was very uh incestuous. No, uh I shouldn't say that. It was because uh, everybody was related. Yes, this is a tight knit incestuous. Yeah. And, and nobody there was nobody that had the varied experience that I had. You know, all, almost everybody there only worked there. Yes. They had, had not worked in other areas of the state and different departments and, or sections of the department. And, you know, and I had been at five institutions. I had worked field parole. I had gotten my master's degree. I got all this stuff. And, and they act like I don't know nothing, right. <laughs> you know. But what, they, what, what wasn't okay was that I was a black woman coming in with rank. Yes. I was a manager. Yes. And that was not okay. I understand that. And they let me know under no uncertain terms that I was not welcome there. Yeah. So that was rough. Uh, I only have four years left, four years before I could retire, whereas I had planned on working longer. Right. I said, mm -mm, this is out. not good. Yeah, I got to go. So yes. I, I, got, I, I worked there four years and, and I, I took my retirement. I'm happy you got out. Yep. Yeah. So, um, and then, uh, you know, starting my business here, uh, me and we all have started at the same exact time. Okay. You know, they franchised and then sold. Yes, I know. Yeah. Yeah. They got support. Yes. They started the Olive Festival, and, you know, then they were the back in the Main Street and Chamber of Commerce. Yep. I couldn't get nothing. Why can't you give me anything? I Yes. I couldn't. I tried. Yes. Uh, the Main Street had me want to try to, you know, you had, again, you had to earn, you had to prove yourself or something, mm -hmm. something like that. And so when I, after I joined, they wanted me to do the Easter egg hunt thing that uh. they do for I'm like, what they got to do with it? <laughs> I did it. I did it, and it and I, I it didn't make no sense to me, but I did it. And then, what I wanted to do was, uh, I had worked uh, in Modesto. They had the Modesto relays, and Save Mart Supermarkets is a major sponsor of that. Mm -hmm. And and when they had that relay, the California Barbecue Association would have a cook-off, a sanctioned cook-off, barbecue cook-off. Yes. And a sanctioned one gets, is one that leads to you getting to Memphis in May. And so I had talked with the, the president of that association about how could we do one on the Central Coast? Because there's nothing on the Central Coast. And he said, Pass Robles? No, no, there's nothing. Oh, it would be great to have one there. And not a, this is what you need to do. So he told me what I needed to do. I went to Main Street to see could we do it. Mm -hmm. They gave me more challenges and obstacles. Yes. And Hoops oh, and ladders. Carter got peanuts. I swear it was ridiculous. Yes. And so, well, no, if you do this and if you do that and if you get so-and-so and you do this and you do that. I was like, really? Why are okay. you setting me up to fail? Well, 
almost to right. not even try. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, whoa, okay. So I could, I couldn't get, I, and I could, I, there was no way I could do something like that. You need the city to help you, you know, or Main Street anyway. Here it needed to be Main Street, but, mm -mm. and you know, that's when if you walk in that office, you know you're in the wrong place. Yes. I don't know if you ever walked in there. I have. And then everybody's, it's like you can hear a pin drop when you walk in. Mm hmm. Uh huh. Okay. Yes. So yeah. not just me. I'm no, not, not just you. Nope. We're, nope. We never are. We always see. We never right. are. Yeah. So you, yeah, you, it, it never, I, I only went in there if I had to, because it was, it was like, ugh, it was a creepy feeling. Yes. It was creepy. Like there was nothing genuine or real about not, nobody in there. Yes. So no, I just, no. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. So that it was that, and then the other thing that happened to me in the beginning was I wanted to go to the fair after I got my truck and everything. So the only way I could go to the fair would be to sell barbecue sauce. Now, you're not going to make money at the fair stores just serving, selling barbecue no, sauce. No, no one wants to carry barbecue sauce around the fair. That's exactly what happens, even when we would offer to walk it to their car for them, Yeah. Right? So... After I did that for two or three years, the guy that was in charge of the food concessions, because it was like, you know, see what she'll do, right? So and I, I would talk to him every day, look, man, come on, come on. I, I'd bring you my ribs and stuff. Like, so finally he said, okay. He, he came and got me. He said, let's walk around and see where we're going to put you. We walked around and he showed, we picked out a spot. He told me all the stuff I was going to need for my truck and how to fix it up. You know, he said, you want to get attention. So I suggest you do this, 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 and that. But you got to have this. He told me I had to have a certain kind of cash register okay. so I could print out the receipts every day because in that way, that's how he would know how much I had to pay for my spot mm -hmm. for that day. So he got me all Got me all set up. I bought the, the the cash register and everything. And I was looking for, you know, scoping out all the other stuff I was going to need. And then the director of the fair told him, no, she can't. Run. She can't serve food. Because he, she didn't want me to be in competition with Moe's. Mm-hmm. Because they knew your food was better. And I said... Okay, so Bubba ain't in competition with Moe's. Exactly. Jimmy ain't in competition with why why not? What's wrong with I mean, what am I doing that they're not? Why can't you support? And then they would not let me come. Okay. So I never went back. No, they don't deserve you. They don't deserve the I never you. went back. But that was that was in the early like within the first my first five years. People make over a hundred thousand dollars in twelve days. Yes, yes, big money. Mo, made, Mo was making way more than that. Mm -hmm. He probably was doubling that. Yes, because he had all of the concessions for the the entertainment and all. He took care of all of that. I just wanted my little spot. Exactly. That's all I wanted. But and those those people, if they they're if you any good, you know, it's easy to have $10,000 days. Yes. 
Not a big deal at all. So my sauce would have been at least Western region of the United States. Right. Had I had one year, one year of the fair would have made all the difference yes. for my business. It would have. Yep. Early on. Me getting sick probably wouldn't have even matter. Yeah. Yeah. But nope. Those were my those were my two Paso Robles business that I and I I I that ain't nothing but racism. And I even had I even had white people tell me that. Yes. And thank you for sharing this with me. Thank you for yeah. talking about this with me. Yeah. I appreciate you. So those are those are those are my two biggest. You know, there's always the little daily stuff. There's always the little things. I mean, yeah, but that's the stuff you're used to. I mean, and, you know, and, and at, at some point you think like, well, I, I knew you, I, I knew Main Street was not going to be supportive of me before I got there. I already knew. I didn't, yeah. But I didn't, I had, I, you could have knocked me over with a feather about the fair. Mm-hmm. I just, that, that just, you know. Because they have people coming from everywhere for the fair. Yeah, but it's the it's the, the it's local people that yeah. run it right. that make all the decisions, yes. and the and the person who who is in charge of making the decision was supporting me. Yeah, and I spent money. Yes, and then he told me I'm sorry, but she said no. She overrode me. Yeah, so I'm like, wow. Yes. Okay. Whatever. Whatever. I'll overcome mm-hmm. this just like I've overcome other things. Mm-hmm. So I, the big, this, this whole George Floyd thing is the biggest support I've had. Yes. In 17 years. In 17 years. Yes. Yeah. So that's it. You know, they want to send you through all of these hoops to, they want you to bid on this and bid for what? They already know who they want. You know, if you want me, tell me you want me, but don't have me, you know, going through researching stuff and coming up with costs and making a proposal using my time using my energy knowing well right already i quit doing all that because i i I don't even know because and then they don't even tell you half the time yeah that they didn't pick you (laughs) you know what i'm saying so well why exactly yeah how do you make space for yourself daily do you meditate i know every day Every day, every, every day. morning, every night. Yes. <laughs> and well, actually, you know, because I I've been into spirituality most of my life. Um, uh, somebody, I, I saw a message come up. Oh I'm yeah. Sorry. No, you- uh, no, <laughs> that's okay. Anyway, um, so I I've been meditating since my twenties. Okay. And um, and I I don't know what I would do without that. I'd be crazy, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, I've learned how to meditate good enough. The last time I had the the condition that I have causes hernias, mm-hmm. and so the last time I had to have a hernia surgery, I was able to meditate and not take the drug. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, because yeah. I could I could I could go to the stillness. Yes. You know, you get to the stillness where there's nothing and you're just in this nothing 
space yes. where there's nothing, no thoughts, no nothing, just breathing. Yes, that's all. And and I wouldn't hurt. There would be no pain until I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> <laughs> but then, then I would go to the, go to the bathroom, come back, and give you know, and it, that would be quite painful. And then yeah. I would let, get back in my space, and I try yeah. to, you know, something you can kind of make the the hospital bed and to get close to zero gravity. Okay. And so I would I would get it to there, and then then it would be easy for me to just go back down into that place. Yes. And I just stayed there. For as long as because the that that those opioids and me don't get along. <laughs> they don't go. Yeah, my body feels all funky. Yeah, I, I don't do well with those at all. So, um, but yeah, lots of I I meditate. You know, and I take care of my body. Okay. Um, I have a a genetic thing called polycystic kidneys. Okay. And that's that's what caused my kidneys to fail, and. Um, but I'm doing really good. I got a good kidney. My donor is wonderful. She's she's my sis now. We tell we tell people we're sisters by blood, not by I birth. Because <laughs> I got a piece of her in me, <laughs> keeping me alive. I introduced her to my granddaughter this last weekend. Uh, she was in town, and I took her to see him. And, um, she was like, I told you, she saved my life. And so my, my son is trying to explain that to her. You know, she's yeah. only five. Yeah. But, and she's happy I'm here. Like, <laughs> you know, yes. so that was enough for her. Because <laughs> <laughs> I told her, I said, if it wasn't for her, you wouldn't have a name. Yeah. He's like, what? That's possible? <laughs> oh, awesome. So my last question for you is, who would you spend your last day on this planet with and what would y'all eat and they can be either living or dead oh did you say that part i didn't i just put that <laughs> in <laughs> oh my god oh my god okay well if i was because I, I was thinking living and of course i just want to be with my family i have my son and my two granddaughters live close by and my mom is further away but if I if it was my last day, I, that that's who I'd want to be with: my mom, okay. my son, and my two granddaughters. I have a grandson too, um, <laughs> but he lives far, and we we don't we're we're connected, but not as connected as right. me and my grand. My granddaughters are little; they're five and, and one and a half. Um, but if it was somebody not living, I would want I would want I would want to be with. Maya Angelou and Nelson Mandela. Oh yeah, yeah. Those would oh, be yeah. my two. Yeah. Oh, be I love both of those people. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> the stories that would I, be shared. I I mean I mean Nelson Mandela. Oh my God! If I could just just give him a hug, or if he gave me a hug, yes, I, he wouldn't even have to say nothing. I just I would <laughs> absorb it. You know, and Maya, she uh, what's not to love about what's not to a, love about her a phenomenal woman that still rises. Yes. Did you see the thing they put to and still I rise with Pamela? 
Oh no! Awesome. It's on my Facebook page. Okay. I put it on my Facebook page. Perfect. So go go see it. It's beautiful. Yes, oh my I will. God. It's her and still I rise. And, oh and my still God. I rise. Yes, <laughs> she's rising. <laughs> yes, she is. It is so beautiful. I mean, there's there's so many other people, but those are the two that that just you know. Hey, I love Malcolm X. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm so glad my mom. My mom is 87 and healthy. Go on, mom. I'm technically it. healthier than me, because <laughs> <laughs> she don't have no issues. I got my my kidney issue comes from my father. Right. But my mom is fine. I mean, my mom don't even have heart, blood pressure, or diabetes. I mean, she's great. Yeah, mom. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I told her, I, I want to be like you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Odette. This has been amazing. Yes. Thank you for listening to Consumed. I'm grateful for all of your ears every single day. The podcast is produced by me, Jamie Lewis, and edited by Chris Lambert. I hope you'll support the businesses and people featured this season and come back for another season of Consumed this winter. Until then, take care.